0: From Cross-Culture Church in Raleigh, this is Crosswalk. This week, our Life Group Pastor, Bill Hopkins, continues the Jesus, the Real Action Hero series. Today's lesson is from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Now here's Pastor Bill.
1: Clay has been leading us through the book of Mark and talking about the real action hero, Jesus, the real action hero, that the book of Mark puts his heavy emphasis on his action. Uh, and today we come to to a, a section that I kind of labeled as it's Kindergarten Jesus, the ch- Jesus with the children. And uh, these movies, uh, Kindergarten Cop, some of you, oh, a good number of you, was uh, made before, before you were even born, uh, or you were very young. It's kind of an old reference. Uh, but I looked, there's, it started a whole genre. There was a whole bunch of movies that followed the year at, years after Kindergarten Cop came out. Oh, uh, of action heroes, you know, doing something, working with kids. It's kind of a fish-out-of-water story. And it, uh, just a, a few of them. Chuck Norris did Sidekicks. Probably few of us have ever seen that. Burt Reynolds, Cop and a Half. Vin Diesel in The Pacifier. Ice Cube did our, our, Are We There Yet? Uh, Jackie Chan, The Spy Next Door. And somebody like that one, huh? Uh, Dwayne, Rock, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, The Game Plan. Uh, my daughter and I watched that together. So I go and kind of enjoyed that. And then still, Sylvester Stallone went completely the other direction and did uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, uh, which many people will label as like the worst movie he ever did. And that's saying a lot because there was a few it, good many clunkers that Stallone did. But I think what, you know, these, these were all in the comedy j- genre. Take the big tough action hero, the guy who has been trained to kill and maim his enemies. He's, he's you know is an undercover uh, agent, he, you know the SEAL team guy, or or the tough cop with the attitude, and then put him with kids, put him in a situation where he has to interact with kids, and there's this contrast, right? And that's what the, the the comedy is based on. It's that contrast, and how does he deal with it? And funny moments. And, and usually, eventually, the children end up teaching uh, the tough guy something about themselves. And they, they learn and they grow, grow from it. And I think it's, it's that it's that fish-out-of-the-water story that, that we enjoy. And I think as we go to our passage this morning, as I read it, you can see how the disciples maybe th- thought Jesus the same way. Like Jesus, the Messiah, the one who... Calm the the waves just by speaking to them the the great teacher that he and children didn't go together and boys they have a lot to learn uh let's let's read from uh mark chapter 10 and uh verse 30 sorry verse 13 uh oh and uh you know i know pastor clay started in a divorce last week and uh uh, I, uh, well, we talked about it ahead of time, because he had offered when he asked me to preach, he said, well, you can do your own passage, or if you like to to continue on with, with Mark, that, that'd that be great, too, either way you want to. And I said, well, one of the reasons why I said, uh, well, I'll go on with Mark, because a lot of times, you know, this is one of the reasons why um, Pastor Clay is a big uh, a proponent of expository preaching, is because it forces you to deal with text and not hide. If I pick one out that I like, uh, then... Uh, you know, it's probably something that I kind of feel kind of good about. Whereas, if I just if I go with the one that's next in line, then I'm forced to deal with that passage, and God can work on me. Uh, and I'm not kind of thinking, oh, you know, what does so and so need to hear? You, you gotta kind of get that. So I, so I went ahead with it, and let's read. Some people were bringing little children to him, so he might touch them, but his disciples rebuked them when they saw it. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, "Let the little children come to me don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it after taking them in his arms, He laid his hands on them and blessed them. Uh, this seems to take a little bit from a what's going on with the parents bringing the children. It was kind of a custom, a Jewish custom for you know if there was a, a great teacher uh, that they would bring children to them to to be touched by them uh, the, you know is a blessing by offering up a prayer uh, uh, to the child that oftentimes it seems to have been a, a little bit of a commitment to to actually invest in that child and say, you know and, uh, in helping them to 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 grow and achieve that that blessing uh, and so the parents. Whether or not they understood all that Jesus was, it doesn't really tell us from the text, Uh, really know that. But the disciples, and this is not the first time that you see them doing this in in the Gospels, uh, they kind of act as Jesus' handlers, Uh, and he's clearly not happy with this. You know, the the text says he's indignant. It's it's probably even stronger than, than that. Uh, and we, we translate it. Translate it Indignant. The word can mean grieved. He was highly upset about what they were doing. And so I think, since what marks marks the only account of this, uh, Luke and Matthew also give a parallel account. It's the only account that tells us that Jesus was indignant. That it's kind of imp- that's kind of an important factor when we're studying Mark. Uh, so. In order to kind of understand what's going on, we could kind of uh, think about: well, you know, he was probably mad that they, at their arrogance, that they were acting as Jesus handlers. Like, like he needs them to, to protect his time, and kind of keep keep the crowds at bay. Uh, maybe he just uh, understood. He's like, you know, I, I like kids. I like I have some some playtime. Maybe Jesus was trying to pr- protect that, and that's why he was up set with the disciples. Different things we can think of when we look at the text probably are, par- are partial, at least partially true. But I think if we go back in the context, we jump back in, in Mark just a l- little bit to chapter 9, we, see, uh, uh, we, get, we get a better picture of it, uh, what the text says about it. Uh, 30, Mark 9, 35-37. So Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a child, had him stand among them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not, whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but him who sent me. Now, Pastor Clay uh, covered this a few, a few weeks ago, and this followed... Uh, a section where they tried to tell a man who was casting out demons don 't do that because you 're not following with us uh, and and Jesus gave him a, a little scolding for that, and he he gives them these these words about it, and when you look at it, you see this first statement by Jesus, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last, uh, last of all and servant of all and then he says in this, uh, this other line here in the, in the text, whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but him who sent me. So based on this teaching that they've heard, what do the disciples do? It's probably not a long um, bit of time between uh, between then. It's kind of hard to tell, but uh, you know, he, he has a discourse of teaching. Chapter 9 actually gives the most... Uh, detail in Mark of Jesus' teaching. It's kind of the longest section of teaching him. He goes into the section on divorce. And then the, chil- the children are coming, although it indicates uh, from the, the verbiage in that, that this is kind of an ongoing thing. It's not just like this one time. that the, This is kind of a continual action that parents would bring their children and the disciples would rebuke them. And that's a, like after the teaching that Jesus gave them about welcoming children, and mind you, there was, a, there was a spiritual message that Jesus was trying to convey to adults. It's not just a, a material thing about children when he was talking in, cha- in chapter 9, just as we'll get to in chapter 10. But still, like this whole idea of, of being, it's kind of a, an elitism. Well, you know, the children, you know, they don't really understand. And these are probably uh, very small children. It, say, it says little, little children. Uh, Luke kind of gives a clue that there was infants, uh, probably talking about like less than school age, like toddlers and infants, babies. Uh, Children who probably, they're probably not going to listen too much to to Jesus' teaching. Uh, The disciples might say, well, they're not really going to get anything out of this. They're just going to be in the way. It's just a time grabber. And Jesus says, no. He, I think his anger is because of this Kind of elitism um, and and they're not getting what he's telling them about the kingdom because what he goes into when he um, is a, a teaching about the kingdom he it's and he uses the children as an illustration and we have to be careful when i when I looked at this passage, I was sort of like i don't know because I think you know maybe people expect kind of a uh, the, you know, children's ministry message, parenting message. And there's probably some things we could take from it, but I, I think there's better passages for that. This passage, what Jesus does, if we if we try to teach about how we teach children from this, I think we miss the fact that Jesus is trying to tell us what children teach us. That That's why we're, we're not going to, we're going to keep it focused on what does it teach us? What is he trying to teach the disciples? First thing that he is trying to communicate to the disciples through the children. He says, uh, "Let the little children come to me; don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these." Now, the kingdom of God is the reign and rule of Christ in the hearts of people, and this is a continual. Jesus is trying to get this through to the disciples through various illustrations. The the children is is one more illustration of something seemingly small and insignificant like we studied in the, in in past the the mustard seed that grows to be a large large tree uh the sower sowing seed sowing a crop that uh, that grows starts out small something you can't really see but becomes something uh, much bigger and jesus keeps trying it he keeps coming back to this Fourteen times he mentions the kingdom of God in the in the book of Mark. Uh, largest number of them concentrated in this chapter 10 because the next section uh, uh, addresses this issue of the kingdom of God too. Uh, how the, the phrase uh, belongs to to such as these is telling us they, pu- they possess. This is the, king, the kingdom of God. It's kind of the same way like... When you're growing up in your parents' house, you say, "Hey, that's that's my house. That's our house. You know, it belongs to you." But it really it really belongs to your to your parents, right? At some at some point, they're going to remind you of that. <laughs> hey, time to go or pay rent. So uh, at least that's kind of my house. But they're a part of it. And he says, "To such as these, is ones like this." In other words, the it, he what he's really getting to is the kind of the attitude and character of children we have to be careful because he's not saying the children are innocent because they're not. Many of you can testify to that, right? Children just, they're, they're, they're not. Sometimes we like to say, you know, it's adults that mess them up. And there is some, there certainly is some of that. We, we can be really bad influences on kids and do terrible damage to them. But they have a sin nature. But there are some great qualities about kids that we can, we can eliminate. And part of it is just the nature of of. Being a kid, being so little, um, we come to the kingdom of God with nothing. That's the first thing that we can we can learn. He it, it holds the kids. He kind of creates this picture, uh, you know, baby. It's vulnerable. It's helpless, defenseless, right? Little little kids, they have to have caretakers to survive. There are so many dangers for kids at the time of Jesus ministry on earth and even now there's still so many dangers for kids they can't feed themselves they can't if even if you if you get it to them they can put it in their mouths they can't provide the food they can't provide clothes for themselves shelter they don't know when to get in out of the rain they don't there's so many things they don't know about they don't know you can't put your uh, put metal things in that light socket over there right how many parents you t- You start, you put those plugs in the walls all over the place to protect them. They are, they are vulnerable and helpless. They really, and they really don't, and I think one of the things that Jesus is saying that is good about the kids is what the disciples were like. No, they don't really bring anything because they're, they're still thinking in terms of a kingdom like the, maybe like the Roman kingdom or the kingdom of David in the past, that the israelites look forward to so much an earthly kingdom what do you need in an earthly kingdom you need a king you need soldiers you need loyal subjects to do labor and these little children wise counselors maybe that's what the disciples thought they were they were the wise counselors and you know to help administrate the kingdom and and kids most of that they can't do They they pull resources because they don't really have anything. They, you know, like, we love them. But really, when they come into the world, what it, they don't bring anything with them. Like, you know, be nice. If they came with a big wad of cash, it would kind of help, right? They, they don't, right? It costs you money. But yet, we love them for who they are. We just love them for who, who they are. We just love them. And, it, and, and in that way, parents express the common grace of God to all kids, it, with the hopes that one day that that through that common grace that parents act as a conduit for, that they'll experience the special grace of God in relationship with him as he becomes, becomes their father. But Jesus, nothing, kind of like it's this humble state that they live in that allows them to really just accept things they don't need think of think of most of us as we get older will live scared of that moment when we can't do things for ourselves so many people i mean uh and and like my grandmother my my dad and my uncles have been going through this for a while where my grandmother she gets older she she wants to to keep her independence but some things she can't do you know you kind of go back as your health goes toward childhood. And it, it's kind of a humble way to live. You live under the, the care and nurture of somebody else that you can't do without. And that's, that's, what, that's what children, that's how they exemplify what we need to, to, to be, what we are. Disciples are not getting the fact that they're in the same boat as the children. We're in the same boat. Like spiritually speaking, there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we don't. There's a lot of things that uh, can uh, harm us that we're not aware of. That Jesus is. We need rest in His His care and protection. Let me just give you a few ideas uh, about this. When when we when we come with nothing, Jesus uh, Jesus gives us His provision. He gives us His teaching. And his power and his love, and I'm going to give you the, give these to you kind of fast. I wanted to just kind of share this with you. The reason why I kind of picked out these four because it's not really explicit in the in the text is because I I read back from Mark chapter one all the way through, and every one of these is something that the disciples had a, had an issue with, uh, had difficulty with, in preceding chapters. His provision. They still, remember that? They still questioned uh, where are we going to get bread after Jesus had fed 4,000 and 5,000. They they, they corrected his teaching after they've heard him interact with the great teachers of the day and make them look silly. They still questioned his teaching and and tried to correct them when he said, hey, the son of man will be crucified and rise again on the third day. They're like, no, no, that's going to happen. His power. They're laying in, they're laying in the boat when the storm comes. And they also question his love when they say, "Lord, don't you care that we die?" And then he gets up and calms the storm. And then he's af- then they're afraid because they didn't understand his power. All of these things the, the disciples struggled with. And again, I think that's that's kind of where the the indignity eh, comes. Why Jesus is upset? This. All right got to move on we need to empty empty realize our our just emptiness that we we really come before god with nothing there's we no righteousness uh no good works nothing nothing that that he doesn't need to provide for us and we need to receive the kingdom of god with abandon that's one of the qualities of kids that that we can see um i I, I, deli- I delivered bottled water for a long time. I mostly work in the warehouse now. I was on the route on a regular basis, though, delivering all these businesses as, as and stuff. And a lot of times people would offer you a, a snack from their, their snack kitty. Uh, sometimes they just have a jar, jar of candy, and that's not that, that much. Or, and they, they, would o- they would offer, uh, if you were coming and going and delivering to them, they'd offer you something, or they'd say, hey, there's sodas in the, in the refrigerator. Get one if you want. And I always, tur- I always turned it down. I always said, no, thank you. Oh and I I don't know if any of you guys kind of like this like for me that seems like the polite thing to do. It also seems a little more professional but in general like when I was a when I I, I learned this from, as a kid and hopefully I, you know got it right because I, what I remember is my mom teaching me this that whenever we would go to uh, uh one of our friends house to visit or something they offer me something and of course you know you're you're four or 5 years old man yeah Know, candy, ah, you know a drink whatever whatever they offer, and you know my mom, however she said it, instilled in me that well, it's polite for them to offer, but it's more polite for you to to say no, say well, thank you, I don't know if any of you like that, and maybe i i i was I am a Yankee, so maybe maybe that's the kind of kind of thing I up that way that you know you just you just say you just say no, oh uh, and so for me, kind of the accepting thing sometimes can be hard. For others, it may be other things. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a pride issue of, you know, I, I don't need that. You, why are you giving me this? Maybe it's a guilt issue. Like you ever had somebody offer you something and you knew you really didn't treat them that well, but they were being really nice to you. And if you accept it, like you're going to kind of feel guilty about it. I don't know if anybody's ever, but nobody else has ever felt that. Most of us don't, you know, have a a theology based around gift giving, but probably a lot of us have some of those same, same thoughts. It's an obligation. Uh, and you know, I wonder how many with the kingdom of God, with the salvation that he offers, do we feel like that? Just an unwillingness to, because we don't want to return, have, feel, feel obligated to give something back. Uh. Here's, here's the thing, like, kids, how do kids do with gifts? Man, especially, I mean, real little ones, here's something, they go, there's a little bit of like, is that something I want or not want? That's kind of what the decision is. I want it? Yes. No problem, right? Uh, parents, or just any of you who, like, can remember Christmas morning as a kid, or, or Christmas evening, night before, you're trying to go to sleep, you can't sleep. Mom and Dad say, it, "Go to sleep for the three hundredth time," or Santa, Santa's not coming. Right? We're excited about the gifts You see because kids really they they welcome they welcome the gift, they welcome it <laughs> they, with abandon. They're like, "Yeah, give no." There's no thought. And here's the th- hey, here's the thought about uh, uh, kind of late this morning, so there's no but pr- pride, mistrust. And what was the th- pride mistrust and guilt three things pride mistrust and guilt i think are three things that really prevent us from accepting with open arms what we're offered and you know that's where we need to follow the example of of children in being willing to accept the kingdom of god welcome it embrace it we hold back we hold back because of because of pride Or guilt, or just mistrust. We're not sure. Do we trust this Jesus? Do we trust him? That what he offers is better. I promise you, it is. Now, let me just have much much time here. But a couple couple of thoughts uh, from from scripture. Because, well, how do I become a child? Is that something I just do on my own? Own or not? Uh, Matthew 18, 3, three through 5. Uh, actually just I'm just verse 3, but I assure you, he said, unless you are converted and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. That's a parallel passage to the well, earlier ninth, uh, in Mark nine in Mark 9, Matthew adds this unless you are converted or unless you repent. John three three, uh Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's it's the work of God in our lives. It's it's the Holy Spirit revealing our our bankruptcy, our need, that we have nothing. It reveals it to us, and when we repent, it starts to renew us. Born again has kind of become out of favor in churches, uh, because it did it did get to be used almost the same way. Sometimes people treat treat weddings where you, you get focused on the wedding and forget about the marriage afterwards. And sometimes we use "born again," like, "Oh, you know, everything's everything's fine now. We're we're born. I'm born again. I'm good. I got my ticket to heaven," and that's all all there is to it. But Jesus used the phrase, so we can't let it die. It talks about our regeneration, that we're new cre- new creations, the holy the Holy Spirit has come into our heart and has changed us to allow us. And, you know, as we grow in Christ, we have to keep coming back to this kind of childlikeness because I see it myself all the time. This it's a, hard, it's a hard thing for me. I didn't like being a child that much when I was a kid. Like, I really I, when, I, when I was little, and I don't know, because I was the oldest child, but I enjoyed being at the adult table uh, and interjecting in their conversations, which I know they loved. But that was kind of me. I was kind of like... I didn't really like Sunday school because it was too childish. I would try to get out of it. and Mom, I'll, I'll go to the early service. That's kind of my nature is to be just this kind of fierce independence. Uh, and so I fight against things. And that's what Jesus is telling us. Stop fighting. Allow, allow him to be our guide, our provision, <laughs> to love us. It finishes with the picture of Jesus baby in the arms that's us so that's the the invitation is to uh, come to jesus Uh, allow him to wrap his arms around you because you know like the pain kids a lot of times how often is it the pain that they inflict they inflict on themselves by fighting against the good things for them you change a diaper which have flail in their arms rolling around falls off the thing right whatever that's what we do, right? That's what we do with God. We 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 fall because we're fighting against him. I never did that, okay? It's just an example I've heard. So, let's pray and then uh we'll uh open up the the uh the stage here, the altar uh, for anyone who would would like to come. Father God, I just thank you for this uh, time, just a special time and uh Lord, I, I pray that th- this morning we'll have just kind of re- rejuvenated some hearts. As, you know, we've had tough news, but also glorious news uh, of your protection and uh, over our pastor. Lord, for, th- for this time that we have just we've gotten into your word and we have focused uh, on you and how you, s- you illustrate to us in, in children, you humble us by that. Because we think we're all grown up and that we're better for it and we we know so much. And Jesus says, no, no. Come, come as a child and I will provide for you. I will protect you. Come, humbly come with a joyful heart. Father, thank you and I pray that you would just, uh, as I just tried my best to to share God's word with these people, that in their hearts that you would... uh, convict then you would just bring the very truth that you want them to hear and go away with from this place.
0: We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather every week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross Culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, a community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person real people who truly care solid biblical teaching from pastor clay stevens and the most energetic safe and fun kids program around find out more at crossculturelife.org cross culture church taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross